You're listening to Ageism is Never in Style, the podcast, sponsored by The Bias Cut, the first truly age-inclusive online style boutique. Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's Ageism is Never in Style, the podcast episode, with me, your host, Jacinth Bassett founder of Ageism is Never in Style. In the last episode, we took on the huge topic of ageism and media, and this week's episode is no different, as we dive into another hugely influential industry. We all know that one of the biggest perpetrators of ageism is the entertainment industry, and particularly TV and film. Age is the silent killer of talent, opportunity and visibility in entertainment, and no more so than for women. As Meryl Streep once noted, when she turned 40, she started just being offered roles for witches. And that's at least in the case of actually being offered roles. For most female actors, jobs dry up as soon as they're perceived to be aging or old, which according to a recent report by the Gina Davis Institute, is much younger age for women than their male counterparts. The report found that earnings per film for female actors increase up until the age of 34, but decrease rapidly thereafter, compared to the average earnings per film for male actors, which reach their peak at 51 and then stabilise. And not only are there far fewer roles for those over 50 than under, but only a fraction of these are for women. Between 2010 and 2020, only one in four characters of those over 50 were women. And in themselves, these roles were commonly supporting or minor and more likely to portray stereotypical traits such as being senile, frugal or frumpy. So is it any wonder that ageing is perceived as a curse for women in particular in the entertainment industry? Now you might ask, why does this matter to me? Some people are inclined to reject the entertainment industry, and Hollywood in particular, as self-serving and detached from the reality of most people's lives. But aside from the fact that it employs millions of jobs globally and contributes billions to economies, Accurate, authentic representation in TV and film can break down barriers, open us up to new ideas, create powerful role models and even be a source of inspiration. What's more, its global reach is hugely influential and powerful. In fact, the most popular video content reach is understood to be 92.7% of the entire globe, which means a single programme or film can be hugely instrumental in shaping and leading perspectives attitudes, behaviours and cultural norms. So when it comes to disrupting these norms and changing the narrative around ageing, the entertainment industry has a big responsibility on its hands and it's time it recognised it. Which is why I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, TV, film and stage actor and writer Julie Graham. A career spanning over 30 years to date, Julie has worked extensively in television, film and theatre assuming an eclectic range of roles in a variety of high-profile projects, including Benidorm, Bletchley Circle, Doctor Who and Queens of Mystery. Now in her 50s, not only can Julie attest to the declining roles and opportunities for actors, in particular women as they age, but she is also using her platform to call out this ageism and actively do something about it. Julie has supported campaigns such as Acting Your Age, and of course Ageism is Never in Style, And during lockdown, Judy wrote and starred in the comedy drama Dumb Breeding, a refreshingly honest, real and raw show that authentically explored the experiences of women going through menopause and being in your 50s. And starred fellow actors Tamsin Outwaite, Tracy Ann Oberman, Denise Welsh, Angela Griffin and Alison Newman. So it really is a pleasure for Judy to be joining us today. Welcome. Thank you so much. That was a lovely intro. (laughs) Thank you. Well, it's just such a pleasure to be welcoming you to our podcast today. I mean, you've had such an illustrious career to date with so many different roles. It's just so vast. How has your career developed? And do you find that your interest in certain roles has evolved with age? Or what are you looking for? Well, the first thing I always say, and I... I hate myself for it, and I hear other actors saying it, is I always say I'm so lucky to be still working. Mm. And, and and I shouldn't say that, no. and no. other actresses shouldn't have to say that, because we shouldn't feel lucky. We should feel that we've built a body of work. Uh, we've earned our stripes, so to speak. You know, we, we've built a career, and 
the body of work that we that we do should speak for itself but unfortunately it it, it doesn't because it, it it tails off after a certain age and it plateaus yeah whereas it it should have a trajectory if you've had a bit of success or you're seen as a, a working actor who can contribute something yeah there should be a trajectory in the same way that there is with male actors in their careers they just mm. go from strength to strength to strength and their careers don't plateau in the same way that women's careers do. So I'm not going to say I feel lucky to still be working. I feel like I deserve to, deserve to still it. be working. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, but I, I have to say that I certainly noticed that after the age of 45, the roles started drying up. Mm. So when people used to ask me questions like, you know, what, you know what, what would you like to play next? It wasn't a case of what I would like to play next. It's what a case of what opportunities were offered to me and they were, they dwindled. I mean, they just dwindled in size and they dwindled, the parts dwindled. The types of parts just weren't that interesting. You know, they were stereotypical women who over the age of 45 or 50 who were either battle axes or they were just an appendage to the protagonist, the male protagonist in the show. Did you feel you had to take them though? Or did you ever feel like, I'm just not going to do it? I felt like I did have to take them sometimes. You know, sometimes you have to pay your bills. Sometimes you have to pay the mortgage. Mm. And if those are the only opportunities that are being offered to you, then sometimes you have to take them. Um, I am in a luck, again, I say a lucky position. I mean, I have been able to financially turn down work that I haven't felt that is up to standard in terms of stereotyping mm-hmm. women of, of a I hate that thing it's of a certain ages but we see women over 50 yeah. and I and I definitely think I, I definitely think things are getting better for sure mm. and there's more visibility and you know it's thanks to campaigns like yours and it's thanks to campaigns like Acting Your Age I mean Nikki Clark who runs Acting yep. Your Age campaign has a great sort of strap line which is men have a whole life Whereas women have a shelf life. It kind of encapsulates it all, doesn't it? And also what you said in the beginning, actually, that really struck with me, actually put sh- shivers down my spine, was that it's the silent killer of careers. Mm. And it's it's a tragedy, actually, because there's so many talented women of that age who are, who are languishing and not working. And actually, worse than that, they're being deprived of earning a living. Yes, and that's the most disturbing thing about it. And it's actually age discrimination, if you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. If it, if it happened in any sort of other workplace, it would be, you'd be able to take that company or that business mm-hmm. to court. But the problem with the entertainment business is that it's seen as an artistic choice. Oh, isn't it that? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's your decision. You were the one who signed up for it. You knew what you were getting yourselves into almost. Yeah, but also they, they, they cloak it in oh, we're not writing, we don't have any women over the age of 50 because that's an artistic choice. Or we're focusing on something else. Or or it's a TV show. Well, that's not realistic. You know, it's like a workplace. I think of Succession being a good example. I mean, like, I love Succession, but it's white to male, right? And it's like, well, that's because that's the world that is. It might be the world, but it's the fact that it's got the shows out there in the first place. How about we create more opportunities with other shows? Absolutely. And, and, you know, the arts have to be, we have to be trailblazers. Yeah. You know, art is a mirror to society. We reflect what society is like. And the only way we can change hearts and minds is if we change the narrative and say, okay, yes, it might be a white male-dominated world, but we don't have to accept it. Mm. And what we can do through art is we can change it and we can write a different script. We can write a different story. We can change the narrative. Because the stories are out there, aren't they? It's not like they don't exist. (laughs) I, at the age of 58, lead a much, much more interesting life than I did when I was 35. Yeah. I mean, my life is richer. It's more interesting. I have more to say. You know, I've lived through things that I I would never ever th- thought that would happen to me, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And so the wealth of experience that I have is being stifled. Right. And that's not just regarding me. That's regarding most women of my age that I know who lead these amazing lives fascinating lives they are vital and sexy and intelligent and have so much to say and so much to give and they're being punished simply because of their age when I did Benidorm I was 50 or 51 and I think it was the first time in my life that I'd ever played a woman 
who had children of the same age that I have. Yes, I was going to ask you about that, the whole the casting yeah. of women as parents. Yeah. yeah, so when I was in my 30s, I was playing mothers of teenagers. Yeah. I was playing, sometimes, I, I, when I was 40, I was playing mothers of children in their 20s. I mean, <laughs> and and although I know that happens, women it do can happen. Children, it's yeah, it can happen. It does. Yeah. But it's it's you know it's just not the norm, right. especially these days. And Benidorm was also one of the first shows that I ever did where half the cast, half the characters were women over fifty. Mm. That was that's just an it's that's an anomaly. Unusual. Yeah. So. And ironically, you know, you've, you've got writers like Darren Litton, who wrote Benidorm. You've also got Russell T. Davis and Jonathan Harvey, writers like that. Ironically, the, the, the writers who write for women over 50 the best are gay men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, apart from female writers. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's... And unfortunately, the, the majority of writers are white, men. middle-aged men. And yeah. they just don't see women, older women, as vital or interesting or or being able to be the protagonist or, or hold their own stories or have their own narratives. And, and then you've got to get past the gatekeepers who mm-hmm. are the commissioners, the people who um, commission these shows, predominantly white, middle class, mostly men. So it's the gatekeepers. We need, an, we, I've said it before, but we need an ice age to wipe out the dinosaurs. Yeah. And then start again. How do you think we can do that? We've got campaigns. How can audiences also demand these gatekeepers to change their attitudes? Well, I think audiences are being shortchanged as well, to be mm. honest, because the majority, say, the majority of television watchers, for instance, who watch the kind of, say, the the, the four big channels, BBC One, ITV, Channel Four, Channel Five, are predominantly women over the age of forty-five. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your streamers, where yeah. the the streaming programs are actually ironically better at employing mm. older women right. and and giving older women you know chunky meaty stories. Um, but they're always chasing this youth audience. Right. They're always chasing the comedy audience. They're now chasing people who have the most followers on Instagram. I, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know what the answer is about changing the gatekeepers. It, I mean, you just got to look at see something like the Barbie movie, which is you know the biggest grossing movie of this year, maybe going on to be for all time directed by women, starring yeah. a woman, produced by women. Economically, it doesn't make sense. So that's why I don't understand why they don't change the, why they're not changing the the, the parameters because economically, women now in their forties and fifties and their sixties they have the money, and. They are the audience people should be chasing, not not you know young men in their twenties or thirties. To to be honest, um. So I don't know what the answer is. Campaigns just keep campaigning and just you know keep keep talking about it and keep the dialogue open. It, it, it's a strange one because I know so many actresses in their sort of fifties coming into the sixties who just simply don't work. Right. And it's a it's a travesty. It really is. It just it's it's heartbreaking to see their way to earn a living just being shut off to them. We've got campaigns that we're saying at your age, ages and cinema and style. Do you think it's also really important for actors to be using their platform to call out these issues? Because we're definitely seeing. I mean, you've been talking about it for quite some time now, but a day doesn't really go past now where you don't see us another person in the limelight, celebrity kind of calling out ageism do you think that's really vital for be able to use your platform in that way yeah absolutely if you've got if you've got people like Meryl Streep saying she can't she couldn't get a job over the age of 40 then you know, <laughs> real trouble so yeah um I think it's really important for people to use their platform but I, I've said it once I'll say it again it's really important for young women yes. to use their platforms I look at all these young actresses and I, I think you know, especially when they've had lots of success and I wish them all the best for that success and I love seeing them flourish. And I just think you have no idea what is waiting for you down the road. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen to you. Yeah. It will happen to you unless you start speaking out now. So for instance, if I was a, an actress now in her 40s, say, mm. or even in 30s, 
And I was heading a programme. I was the lead in a show. And I was an executive producer in the same way that... So leading actors often are executive yes, producers yeah. now, which is brilliant. I see that it, a lot, yeah. Yeah, gives you a lot of agency and a lot of... And it gives you a voice. I would be insisting that the scripts that I were participating in had women over the age of 50. There should be a parity of 50-50 male and female on screen. Mm-hmm. I would insist on it. Yeah. And it's it's that's what can change the industry. You know, you've got me, you have got amazing people like Saran Jones and Keely Hawes and Sarah Parrish, I think, and, and lots of actresses who are coming up into their sort of heading towards their 50s who are now starting to have production companies, which is fantastic and all power to them. But they're the ones that have to stand up and say, Okay, in this script, there's a judge, a lawyer, a doctor, a policeman. Yeah. Over the age of 50. Why can't they be women? Absolutely. Why can't you just change their name from Jack to Jill? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's so simple, right? They're doing the same job. It doesn't make any difference. No. Unless there's some point of them being yeah. a man or a woman. Just think outside the box the same with casting directors the best casting directors that I know will look at a script and go there's a lot of men in this mm-hmm. why you know th- there's no reason why these parts can't be and I'm not talking about just at, you know just people over the age of 50 I'm talking about across yeah. the board yeah, in scripts why yeah. can't you just change this part from a male to a female mm. in the same way that diversity is coming leaps and bounds since I right. started why can't that white character be a black character why can't that white character be an Asian character or a, a Chinese character or or a, even dare I say an Asian black or Chinese woman yes well, so, yeah, intersectionality that gets misty completely doesn't it yeah. intersectionality absolutely yeah. why can't that character be why can't you just make that character gay you don't have to make a big deal about it, but mm-hmm. instead of them having a husband or a wife, then, you know, they can have a boyfriend. Yeah. Or, you know, it's thinking outside the box. And that's the way that script writers have got to start looking at. And, that, and that's why, as you say, actors who have, or actresses who have a platform, the younger they start seeing these things and the younger they start being activists about it, then the better it will be for everyone and the better it will be for them when they get to that age. Do you think there's a fear though? We've seen this. It was it's been an interesting thing in the last few years with with ageism because we've you've been a massive supporter of what we've been doing. Mm. But even a few years ago, we were finding celebrities, actors being advised actually by their agents not to con- to show any affiliation or connect with anything that talked about age even if it's positive yeah it was, don't talk about this because it's going to age you and it's going to make you less desirable from you know a casting perspective mm-hmm. do you think that there is still though that fear and particularly with younger women that you know as soon as they talk about this that they're, they're suddenly not they're going to lose out as well oh a hundred percent yes absolutely i mean even the acting your age campaign you would be astonished at the number of actresses who just said no I'm, I'm, I, I do I do not want to go go near, near this. this topic yeah and it's the same with menopause mm-hmm. um I mean when I when I wrote Dun Breeding in lockdown um it, you know people just didn't want to talk about menopause I mean a lot a lot more people talk about it now but mm-hmm. even in 2020 there was that just it was nobody was talking about it I think yeah. Meg Matthews and maybe Davina a little bit yeah um but it was just this kind of weird subject that no one would go near and also actresses would be horrified about sort of doing anything connected to the menopause because it was just associated with your past your you know sell-by date right which I've heard so many times and so a lot of people just wouldn't go near the subject and a lot of people still won't go near the subject yeah. I, I'm still having problems getting done breeding off the ground as a, as a television yeah, show. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. I mean, what, what made you write done breeding? And then as you say, why, what obstacles have you faced with it? Because it was on YouTube, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote it because I went, I was going through it and I was during lockdown, like most other actors and, you know, a lot of people in, in the industry and well, lots of everybody in the, in every, every industry, 
all my work disappeared yeah. overnight. I had three, four jobs lined up in the year and they just all went. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it would drive me insane just sitting doing nothing. So I, I'd had the idea for a, quite a while because I'd gone, I was going through menopause and I was frustrated with the lack of parts for women. And I was sick of hearing myself going, oh, there's no parts for women like over the age of film, blah, 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 blah. And I just thought, oh, you shut the fuck up, Julie. Just, you <laughs> know, do so- <laughs> just do something about it. I, don't, I didn't know if I could write. You know, I had no idea. I'd never written anything before. So I wrote about what I know. A lot yeah. of writers say, you know, write about what you know. So that's what I did. And I, and also I, I had this desire to create um parts for all my amazing female friends who you know I mean some who work and some who don't um so that's what it was born out of frustration and kind of not wanting to to go mad but um but once lockdown was over and we put it out on YouTube the response was incredible we got the the most amazing response from women just going this is me, this is what I'm going through. Oh my God, I've never seen myself on screen before or I love this about female, it feels like real female friendship, not kind of manufactured female friendship written by male writers. And you could really tell that. We first met at Kate Thornton's, um, it was the live podcast of White Wine Question The White Wine Question Time, yeah. it was all with you in the cast. And I mean, the energy in the room, you on stage, but also the women in the room, they just felt so connected and seen. I know, it was brilliant. And you you dressed us all, which was absolutely, (laughs) which was lovely. It was so kind of you. Um, yeah, I know the energy in the room was incredible, yeah. wasn't it? And so many people, I mean, still go, what, you know, what's happening to Dunbridge and why can't we? And I've had so many doors slam in my face about, well, we don't, there's too many women <laughs> oh, in oh it. Oh my goodness, does too many to... women in it. <laughs> well, honestly, too many, too many women. And um, does it have to be all about the menopause? Does it, oh God, it's, and I'm like, well, it's not it's all not, about the menopause. Say, menopause it's an element, isn't it? happens to yeah. be an element. But they're scared of it. They're just scared of it. And... Bridget Christie just had a show out called The Change, yeah, which is completely different to Dunbreeding, mm-hmm. but, you know, and that was received very well. So hopefully the more people write about it and the more it's actually shown. But, you know, again, Channel 4, I went to them and they said, we've already got our menopause drama. Oh, we've ticked that comedy. box. We've done Yeah, that. we've ticked that box. So we don't need to do that. Because apparently everyone's experience also, menopause is a monolithic experience that is the same for everybody. So, of course, there's, of course why do you is, need yeah. another show that explores it? <laughs> Yeah, and that's what it, exactly what it feels like. Yeah. It feels like top box ticking, and it just drives me insane. But I'm determined to get it made, even if it takes me till I'm, you know, till I can't even play the part that I'm meant yeah. to play anymore. <laughs> I'll have to play the granny. <laughs> and that's yeah. the other thing, yeah. you know. I have to say, this year, I have worked a lot, and I, I you know, and I, it's been amazing. But this is so. I'm just about to start a new job in Dublin, mm. and playing the grandma matriarchal grandma right it's a brilliant part yeah. and it's set in the 1890s mm-hmm. so it's amazed that i'm still alive because yeah. you know because yeah. most women died when they were kind of yeah. in their yeah. 40s um but this is the third grandma i've played this year mm. and and i don't mind that because it because all three parts have been great yeah and they haven't just being grandmothers they have been defined by being a grandmother they're not defined by just being a grandmother whereas before um i've been offered parts that they've just been the mother or the wife Mm -hmm. or the girlfriend and there's just nothing else there's no there is no other narrative they're there to serve the, the the sort of male protagonist I always think of the a good example is that I call it the Auntie May effect. So you had the first, you know, we've had what three iterations. So we we don't need more than one menopause show, but we can have three iter- or three four iterations of Spider Man. But you know, um, yes, but we've had uh, yes, or 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 like or or five um white men having um midlife crisis, right, exactly. playing detectives. Yeah, exactly. We need all of those, but. And so the first version with Tobey Maguire in the early noughties, okay, granted he was a bit older, but he was meant to be playing a teenager, right? So again, his aunt, we're not talking grandmother here, we're talking aunt. Mm-hmm. So realistically that she would be around 50, but instead they had a woman in, I think in her late seventies play the character. And then you had the next version, which was with Sally Fields 
and Andrew Garfield, and she was in her early 60s, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until they did the the third version with Marvel, you had Marissa Tony, who was playing it at about 51, which is actually the age. The age the she aunt, should be. She would be. But everyone, yeah. she's too young to play that role. Like, this is so <laughs> weird. It's like, no, this is actually what it looks like yeah. to be an aunt of a, of a teenager, of a, of a 16-year-old. This actually is what it looks like for a lot of, not everyone, but for a lot of people. Exactly. We have such a warped idea. And I think this is, as you said, where representation is so important. I was watching something last night, you know, teenage uh, teenage comedy, and you've got a 28-year-old playing a 16 year old it just completely distorts our entire perception of what it means to to to, to be older age i think sally fields played tom hanks's mum in you know forrest gum yeah and i think she was 10 years older right. than him yeah at the time and you don't get that with men of course we don't get that with the men do we no never you would never that would just never ever happen mm. I mean, and that's the, you know, and that's, this is the other, this is the other responsibility that male actors have, right. is that male actors, a male actor in their 50s and 60s saying, no, I'm not having a a, a 30-year-old actress play my wife mm. or girlfriend. They can help. I mean, we've got lots and lots of amazing male allies mm-hmm. um, who do speak out and do stand up, you know, and, and sort of say, no, you know, I'm, I, I don't want a 25-year-old wife. This is yeah. ridiculous. Because, but for you, for for so long, that was just the norm, and that they expected it. So, you no, know, it's their responsibility as well to say, you know, if they're if they're the lead in something, to say, no, I want a a, a woman yeah. playing my wife who's my age, and I yeah. want her to have a a, a separate or decent storyline. Mm. So we need we need male actors to stand up as well, and and writers, writers, writers comes down to the writers. Why do you think the entertainment industry has been so permissible of it? Because you know, I talk about this in other episodes as well. You know, we diversity and inclusion it's so important and yet age has been left out of that conversation mm. for so long. Why do you think it's just been accepted for so long? Well I think it's got a lot to do with Hollywood. Mm. I think Hollywood has been a major player and a major culprit in that yeah. kind of image of women. Yeah. Especially older, over the age of 45. And I think television has been very, very, very good at redressing that balance. We really Espe- have gone into a completely yeah. new phase, haven't we, with television? I think also, in, especially in the States, I think yeah. they've been, they've they've kind of led that. And that's down to, a lot of that is down to, you know, people like Reese Witherspoon and yes. Nicole Kidman and people, yeah. you know, again, starting G- the Gina Davis uh, organization is absolutely brilliant at highlighting ageism so i think television has gone a long way to you know to sort of balance the books in terms of diversity and mm-hmm. and, and age ageism yeah still not gone far enough but i think it's heading in the right direction disability is another is another yes, issue which absolutely. is which is widely um ignored and and, mm-hmm. and not inclusive yeah but again in terms of age i mean i've i often I'd say I get scripts and I'm offered I'm offered a part, which I'm very, you know, which I'm delighted about because yeah. it's a director, a producer, a writer I've worked with before. But often in the script, it'll say she's in her 40s. Mm. It rarely says she's in her 50s or, God forbid, in her 60s. Women go from being 40 to 70. Right. And there's a there's a whole gap in between where mm-hmm. that age group is woefully ignored. Yeah. And I'm not still I'm still not quite sure why. I mean, I love your campaign. I look my age. Yeah. There's still this misconception or preconception that women in in their 50s look like grandmas. Right. Dare I say it? You know. Well, that that and that was the whole purpose of that it. That was the whole say, purpose yeah, of it. And like, it's been such a and a successful and brilliant campaign. I mean, it's really capture the imagination because this is the age I look yeah this is the age I am I'm 58 I look my age mm. and it's it's been brilliant to break down those barriers and the more visibility uh, the more you see uh, you know not women trying to look young but just women no. just living their lives and, and looking after themselves and being mm. healthy and um I think that's sh- that should be the focus you know we're against all this anti-aging my Lovely friend Sam Harrington Lowe, who's brought out a, a, yes. a skin magazine and silver, silver magazine. Yes. 
you know, who's who's just done this great range of um, yeah. skincare. Yes, which I've is been using pro them. aging. They're great. They're, and I'm and again, I'm in my thirties, but I'm using them. I'm loving them. So yeah. Well, exactly because it's pro. We're all aging. We're all no aging. One's, <laughs> no one's yeah. going backwards. No. That's just that's just never going to happen. You know. So I think I think it is it is slowly. It's slowly changing and heading in the right direction, mm. but just not quick enough. And and I often play this game. There's a, a site called the Internet Movie Database, yes, IMDb yes, yes, database. IMDb. So yes. you, you, so you. I mean, just for people that don't know, um, it gives you all the the TV and the films with all the casts and credits, the crews yeah. and all that and the credits. Yeah, and I play this game where I see a new show coming out and I'll go on to the show and I'll click on it and I'll go down the cast list. And I'll go, okay, how many men are in the show and how many women are in it? And it's always usually about 30, 70. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah, 30, 70. It used to be much worse. It used to be Mm. uh, 10, 90. Yeah. Or 90, 10. So it's 30, 70, I would say, on average. Mm -hmm. Unless it's specifically a female-led show, like they say, you know. Yeah. And I, I hate that as well. It's a female-led show. It should just be a show, a show with exactly. lots of brilliant women yeah. in it. Um, so that's the, that's the again, that's the anomaly. Mm. Then I break it down again to women over the age of 45 mm-hmm. or who I know are old, over the age of 45 yeah. or characters, certainly, that are over the age of yeah. 45. And it the, 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 like, the percentage Ooh. just plummets. Yeah. You'll be lucky if there's two mm. female characters over the age of 50. Yeah. I mean, lucky. And that's what we're up against. And that's what, that's what you know, the fight is real. So did you ever feel pressure yourself to, I mean, to my anti-aging, to anti-age? Because one of the things we see, and one of the things we talk about a lot with Asian Cinema Style is we are very much around compassion Mm. and not criticizing and attacking women Mm. particularly the you know in in the public eye who have gone down the route of having say work done and yet people are so ready to to attack and whenever we post a picture of a someone famous who you know we don't know some have admitted it some haven't but you can, you know, tell sometimes when they've mm-hmm. had some work done and the amount of vitriol they receive and the attacks they receive. And we always say, yeah. hang on, no, let's te- let's step back here and let- not look at and have a go at these individual women. It is understandable mm-hmm. why they felt the need to do this. Let's look at the perpetrators, look at the reason why. That's what we need to be dis- addressing. Did mm. you ever feel pressured to do anything? <sighs> to be honest, personally, no, I didn't. Um because I like I like I like my aging face. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. And also I I personally and I I would never criticize anyone for having anything done, yeah. but personally I'd be terrified that something went wrong. Right. Because I and wouldn't also be able as an actor to... you don't want your face to freeze up either. Yeah. And also yeah. I wouldn't be able to work. You know, yeah. I'd lose my I'd lose my living. I mean, yeah. look what happened to Leslie Ash, you know. Right. So I would be so I'm I'm too much of a scaredy cat to have it done. However, I do understand why mm. women and especially actresses yeah. get it done because they're told that they're they should look a certain way and they have to look a certain way and beauty is just such a commodity in our business mm-hmm. and looking good and 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 you know that terrible phrase oh god you look amazing for your age oh god uh, we 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 both know that that how you age is purely down to genetics uh, you know, I mean, that's just if you uh, maybe wearing a bit of sunscreen if you've done that from a yeah, age, but yeah, looking after your skin, maybe you know, kind of drinking lots of water, all yeah. that sort of stuff. but you're gonna look how you look, when, right? When you, you and unless you have surgery, and I know a lot of actresses who have had stuff done, you know, tweaks and all that sort of yeah. stuff, and I would never ever criticize them for it if mm-hmm. it makes them feel good and it makes them feel better, then all power to them yeah and you know everyone else should just fuck off and not have an opinion about it i agree it's not their body their choice it's their body their choice and also a lot of the vitriol comes from women themselves that's the thing it's the women and there is an interesting debate which is people going well no we should be calling out we need to be having a go so that other people don't feel the need but again i don't think so i think we should be going why well i don't think we should be calling it out we should be asking the question like you say we should be asking the question why do you feel the need to do it 
sometimes it just you know it Maybe i mean it just i know felt like it <laughs> like they, they just want a bit of and i know lots of people who aren't in the industry who have it done and they go right. yeah it just makes me feel good I, I know a lot of men who have stuff done now as well you know it's not just women but why yeah. you know why shouldn't if it makes you feel good then right. all power but i do think i understand why especially mm-hmm. american actresses have work done because they are constantly told that if they don't look a certain way they're not going to get jobs yeah i mean they they and, and that is and that is real especially in the in the film industry yeah especially in the film industry why is there that difference i just think there's still this image of screen goddesses of right. women looking a certain way and also the parts are just not interesting all the marvel stuff if you're a fan of that then you know fair enough but um, personally, I'm not. Yeah. But a lot of the, the in really interesting films that are being made are, are, are kind of being made by independent filmmakers. Yeah. Um, and they are much, much better at being inclusive of, of age and race and disability. And, you know, that's that that's the future. But mm. it's just very, very hard to get those things made. Very, very difficult. Do you think Me Too played a role, at least in moving the conversation? Time's up, Me Too. Did it move it a little bit? I'm not sure if it moved it in terms of ageism, to be honest. Mm. I think it I moved it in terms of women feeling able to speak out yeah. and women feeling safe to say things that they wouldn't normally say. And maybe, may, maybe speaking about age is one of those things, but I think it certainly moved the conversation on in so many brilliant ways. I love seeing young actors now because I, I see young actors on film sets, young actresses. And actors too, to a certain extent, but actresses on film sets going, no, I'm not fucking putting up with that. And I love it. Yeah. And I will be the first person to advocate for them. I'll be the first person to to be on their side and stick up for them. And I mean, I always would have, but now especially, but I love the fact that they're just going, no, I'm not tolerating that. Yeah. Not doing that. Not Not taking my clothes off. Not putting up with this treatment. It's just brilliant. You know, what young women are really finding their voices, especially on film sets and the and the industry in general and I, th- I think it's I think it's brilliant but that's what I think and I, I've talked about before I feel like age needs to be part of this in, entire female feminist movement yeah we, we shouldn't be siphoning it off as an other it needs to be part of it and we're allies of each other we, we're yeah. supportive in this and women can support each other whether it's you supporting younger, vice versa, younger actors saying, no, where is the visibility for mm. women in their 40s, 50s, 60s plus? We have to be seeing this as an entire movement for for all of us. This isn't just for people as you get into those, into that no, age group. No, absolutely. And the younger you start, you know, the, you, the younger you're, the, the, you're aware of these things, the right. better it will be for the future. I mean, I love what you do, especially for you know, you're, I mean, your activism is brilliant, but what you do with clothes and the way you say, look, this is, you know, you shouldn't be expected to dress a certain yeah. way because you hit 40 or you hit right. 50 or 60 or whatever. It should be about feeling good and feeling mm. empowered. And I think the more that that happens, and I think the more that you empower women in that way, the more people will sit up and take notice, Yeah. especially, as I say, the gatekeepers and, you know, especially the people in positions of power in terms of the entertainment industry going, actually, yeah, women over the over a certain age are incredible and vital and yeah. have, and have stories and can look amazing or just can can carry a show or drive a narrative and clo- and you know clothes and, and feeling good and, and doing all those things are part of that. It's definitely. all part of it. Just wearing something that feels makes you feel good. It's just it can give you a boost and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, it just makes you feel strong and empowered. And yes, fashion industry's got a lot of other issues. And that's another yes. show which we yeah, have that's got another, that's another but, show. But in terms of actually just the core of style and personal expression, I find costumes so mm. fascinating because mm. how that tells a story mm. in TV and film yeah. and stage, I think it's so it, it tells a message and it can and I'm yeah. sure as an actor as well, wearing those clothes really helps you yeah. embody that. Oh my god, they do absolutely. And and sometimes I've I've kind of gone into not not often, but I've gone into fittings with costume designers who've who've just I, I despair at the, the clothes they've given me because I'm I'm over the age of fifty. Right. Yeah, and I just think. Really? You know, yeah, really? You you know, this is not representative of who this person is for a start. I mean, fair enough, if you're playing a frump or you're playing somebody who's not, you know, but more often than not, it's just 
simply they're judging the character because of her age. age. And so she I becomes mean, a frump because of that. Exactly. And that I remember years ago going into, and I was in my, probably I was in my late 30s, 40s at this point. And I remember going into a, um, a read through and it was it was for At Home with the Braithwaite's. Mm-hmm. And written, it was Sally Wainwright's first sort of big TV show, and um, the the wonderful dearly departed Sylvia Sims was in it, and I was a you know I just grew up with Sylvia Sims, you know just you know her her talent and her charisma and her beauty always shone from the screen, and and she was playing this brilliant character. Of course, Sally Wainwright is another one who writes brilliant characters for older women. And she was playing this great, great, great character. And, you know, Sylvia didn't give a shit about what she looked like or, you know. And this actress, who shall remain nameless, also kind of in her 40s, she leaned across to me during the read-through and she just whispered, oh, my God, Sylvia Sims has really let herself go. Oh, no. And I wanted to punch her in the face. But um, I just thought... It's bitchy. Oh, so a bitchy. <laughs> so disrespectful. So disrespectful. So unnecessary. Just, but also just an attitude. Yeah. And what, what? And I think, you know, that question you asked me earlier about, you know, why you think it is, especially in the film industry, it's like, you know, these women were held up to be great beauties. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that they weren't given the credit for being anything else right. except great beauty. That was beauties. what their value was. That was, that was their value. And then when they let themselves go, as so to speak, mm. you know, the, people think that they are. Oh my God! Well, that's it. They're, they've got no worth. Right. And it and that was coming from a that and that was coming from oh, another right. woman. Mm. Um. So luckily that's changed. But you know, always I always working with actresses who were older. Amanda Redman. Sylvia Sims, the wonderful Linda Bellingham. I've always, 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 you know, in my 20s and 30s, always really admired, you know, older actresses. And they, they were just always so fierce, like Charlotte Cornwell and and um, Anne Mitchell and all those brilliant, brilliant women who I just loved. You know, I remember seeing Widows for the first time. That was, in, that, that was one of the shows that inspired me to be an actress. You know, Linda LaPlante writing all those brilliant parts for women and they were older and they were you know amazing and so i've you know i've just always looked up to them and i've and i've always just not been able to wait to be one yes and i think that's where again you know going back to what we we're saying with the the idea that oh they're or the broadcasters all they care about the gatekeepers is trying to get a younger audience there's also this massive misconception that even if you are only aiming at the or trying to get the audience they don't want to see older people i know and it's just not true you know i'm in my 30s Myself and my peers, we are looking for role models. Looking for role models. That we can aspire to be. And actually, that's one of the things that's been so wonderful with with some Asians and everyone like my age is actually women in their 30s in particular taking part and going, you know, this is so good. I love seeing this. Because we want to see these stories. We don't want to just go, I've got, what, 15, 15, maybe 10, 15 years left of worth, and then that's that. We want to see these stories. They're inspiring. As far as I'm concerned, I'm midlife, just halfway. Yeah. I don't want the rest of my life to ha- have no meaning or have no value. It's just, yeah. you know, it's it's too depressing to think about. And I, I will not, you know, let it happen. But take a show that is aimed towards young people like Sex Education. It's one of the most popular shows on Netflix. It has Gillian Anderson's character, who's in her 50s, is one of the most popular characters. It's a, it's a wonderful, brilliant, meaty role. You know, right. and nobody's sitting back going, oh, I'm not going to watch, watch Sex Education because it's got a couple of older people in it. You know, there's just there's loads and loads of older female characters in that show. So the, there is room for it. And it, you sort of ignore them at your peril, really, I think. Uh, you took part in They Say We Say last year with the bikini yeah. pick. And I know with Benetton, you were yeah. wearing a bikini in, you know, in your 50s. And again, it's so important yeah. to see that. I want to know that I can keep wearing exactly. whatever I want. And and that's where this representation is so important. And I, yeah, and I loved, you know, like people like Denise Wells, she just, you know, she goes on holiday and she just, 
she's always in a sewing costume and bikini and she deliberately posts pictures of herself in a sewing costume and a bikini and she looks fabulous by the way because she's like i know it pisses people off so <laughs> yes we, that's the thing there. we do i'm gonna grow old disgracefully yes. you know yeah absolutely but, uh, to talk again talking about value you know i know that in a lot of other countries older people are sort of kind of you know, revered yeah. for their wisdom and all that sort of stuff. And that, and that's brilliant. But there shouldn't be this kind of gap, this kind of chasm between the age of 50 and, and 70, where it's almost like a no man's land of age, mm. where, you you, you mm. know, you don't, you're not either one thing or another. That should be a whole age in itself that is just that is celebrated and revered and kick-ass. Talking about Marvel, that's what we need to be seeing is more of that. But unfortunately, then this is the other thing you talk about going back to writers, where at least with Reese Witherspoon with her production company, you know, she was mm. buying the rights to books about women and written by women. Yeah. The problem is, so many writing and scripts these days are particularly in film just based on comics or yeah. books. And, and yeah, and they're chasing being... a certain audience, yeah. And that's why we need that creativity. So, I mean, even, even in Barbie, I mean, I, obviously, I love the Barbie movie. Yeah. Me, and my, me and my girls went to see it the minute it came out, and I absolutely loved it. But, you know, a case in point of casting is that Margot Robbie, I mean, she was brilliant. And, of course, you know, she's going to be cast as Barbie. She, you know, she was a producer. She, yeah. she was one of the things, people that made it happen. But... Ryan Gosling is, what, in his 40s? 40s? Yes, and he could play Ken. And he can play Ken. It would never happen the other way around. Never. We didn't see any older Barbies, did we? I know, I was quite, it was was a bit disappointing. They missed a trick there, I think. I think so as well, yeah. Yeah, what, Helen Mirren doing a bit of narrating. And they had that scene at the bench where she talks to the costume designer and says, you're beautiful. But I, yeah, that just that feels but, like they're But still, be... there wasn't really, there wasn't a representation of there an older Barbie. No. Yeah, boo Barbie. Come on. <laughs> so we're Barbie now, now we're anti-Barbie. Now we're anti-Barbie. Barbie no, Barbie 2. Two. Barbie 2. We're expecting a couple of older Barbies. In, Come yeah. on, Barbie 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you feel, fundamentally, do you think we are starting to see lasting change? I think I think there is. I think it's heading in the right direction. It's 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 going at a glacial pace, unfortunately. Yeah. But I think the more we talk about it, and the more we campaign for it, yep. and the more we get allies on our side who are not just older women, I think the the better it will be. And and we need more mm. r- older female writers or just female writers generally being commissioned, who mm. are writing brilliant parts for older women. And representing them in the way that they should be represented as real three-dimensional yes, characters with, with depth, with depth and agency and power and yeah. all those, all those, you know. So, for instance, if you look back on, say, the soap operas, the soap operas have always represented women in the most brilliant way. If you look at, if you look yeah. back on Coronation Street, all the you don't you don't remember you don't remember the male characters. You remember the no. matriarchal amazing female characters, Ina Sharples and, and Bette Lynch and, and, and Elsie Tanner and, you know, Doris Speed and all those amazing female characters who are very often Vera Duckworth, very often older and, and also working class, which is important because mm. class is another yeah. thing that is ignored. Class is another, um, absolutely. All that intersectionality, as we say. Soaps have always been very, very, very good at being representative of female characters uh parity and and especially age and it just needs a little bit more of that they've always been popular they've always been the most popular shows so it right. just doesn't yeah. it just doesn't make it's, sense it's still nonsensical yeah isn't it? it really it just never makes makes any sense to me so i as i say i do think it's heading in the right direction but we just need to keep talking about it and keep campaigning for it two questions that i ask of all our guests yeah are, first of all what does ending ageism and true age inclusivity in entertainment and acting look like to you? Representation, parity, on-screen parity with our male colleagues in terms of age, in terms of representation and in terms of pay as well. Yes. So, that so that's parity pay so parity important. is very important, representation yeah. and, and as I say, you know, age, age parity as well, uh, screen time. Screen time, really, really, really important. And how can our listeners today, how can they, and we're talking about the gatekeepers, we're talking about the writers, getting involved in campaigns, what can we do to just keep 
really demanding these stories for actors. I mean, a simple thing you can do is when, when you see it, call it out. I mean, on right. social media or write to Ofcom. Ofcom, they don't have a lot of teeth. But if, if enough people write to them and say, or email them or whatever it is, or phone them up and say, you know, this is not good enough, this is age discrimination, then Ofcom will have to do something about it if they get enough complaints. I mean, look at, you know, look at what happens when, you know, there is a sort of outcry. Yeah. It gets media, the media, we need more media attention about it. But in terms of the, the mm. public or people, you know, listeners yeah. or, or, or fans or watchers or whoever, you know, whoever is watching these shows... If you don't like what you see and you don't think it's this this age representation, then be vocal. Vocal call it out. It. Yeah, call yeah. it out. And then also talking about the media, write to you know a, a paper and say why don't you write about yeah. this more? Why aren't you talking about this more? The first episode of this series is ageism in the media, and we're talking about how they are again unfortunately mm. gatekeepers to a lot of the, the yeah. narratives. If if they're not calling out these issues, then no one's going to take notice. If you're watching the BBC and you don't think it's being representative it's a public it's a public service broadcast right into them and say yeah this is not good enough you pay the license and fee. say can we get yes, done breeding yes. and say p.s can we please have a series <laughs> of done breeding <laughs> exactly and watch it on youtube anyway because yeah. i mean again views yes it's all those numbers it's so important yeah well, thank you so much, Julia. It has been such a pleasure to speak to you today. It's been so insightful, inspiring, and I've just I've had such oh, a good time. Oh, and you. Chatting. Thank you so much. It's been really lovely. Thanks, honey. Thank you. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode, Ageism and Acting. You can listen and catch up on all Ageism is Never in Style, the podcast episodes, via Spotify, Apple Music, or Amazon Music. And also make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. In the next episode, I'll be joined by the highly revered makeup artist and beauty brand founder, Ruby Hammer NBE, where we'll be discussing, you guessed it, ageism and beauty. Another massive topic and another one we are not shying away from. Until then, let's all be allies and champion age representation and parity in acting. Let's ensure actors in particular women, don't fade into the background and lose their well-earned and deserving careers. And let's make sure stories of all ages are told. If you're a younger actor, speak up. And the rest of us, let's keep using our voice, supporting actors of all ages and campaigning for them and insisting on age representation. And fundamentally, let's challenge those gatekeepers because together we can make a difference and eradicate ageism in acting and beyond. Thank you.